The Campbell Group has teamed up with PI Perspectives to offer listeners top-notch, affordable insurance solutions. Private investigators can get insurance for their business for as low as $305 per year. Apply now at PIPerspectivesInsurance.com and receive a quote back within 24 hours. Do you enjoy our podcast and the guests we bring you? Since 2019, Matt and his team have done their very best to give you amazing shows each week. If you feel like our show has helped you to be a better investigator, or maybe even inspired you to become an investigator, please let us know. We're looking for testimonials. Drop Matt an email with a recorded 20 to 30 seconds of you talking about this podcast. You can also email him something verbal about the website. His email is S at SatellitePI.com. And if you really feel blessed for having this content, consider supporting Matt and our show by joining Investigators Toolbox. You really have to see version 2.0. And at just 49 cents a day, it's a no-brainer. Now let's jump in to this week's episode. I want to talk to everybody today about ScopeNow.com. ScopeNow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time. And I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers and it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and and, uh, looking for information, I think is one of the best points of how Scope Now can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope Now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Welcome to PI Perspectives and welcome to show 203. 
Today, Sandline Global's Rob Freed joins us to discuss digital forensics. Rob's written several books on the subject and is a true expert. He speaks all over the country on this subject and has some great insight on how to apply this skill set to your investigative toolbox. Rob also has a great offer for some deep discounts for upcoming symposiums on this subject. Please welcome Rob Freed and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspective. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Uh, we are back with a, a guest that we, we had on a while ago, um, but definitely when it comes to data forensics, this is a guy you want to know, a guy you want to know what he does and uh, what he's all about. I want to welcome Rob Freed back to the program. Rob, how are you? Doing good. Thanks very much, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great to see you again. And uh, thank you for uh, setting aside the time to, to come on. Uh, so you work with Sandline Global. Uh, they're based out of New York and you do digital forensics. So for those who don't really know what you do, or what you're about, tell me a little bit more. Sure. So I've been doing digital forensics for about 22 years uh, based on New York City area. And we do anything related to the uh, identification, uh, collection and examination of digital based evidence. So that can be anything from your computer to your cell phone, uh, to network systems and now cloud sources that we're encountering more and more. Right. Right. And you um, offer your services not only to corporate uh, America, but you also work with other investigators. I know there are times when investigators come across work like this and and we're like, wow, that's way above my pay grade. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Um, but yeah. you take on that work and, and, and handle it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the network... Uh, because I'm, I'm crossing over three different industries has allowed me to take on projects from both the digital forensics realm, uh, the e-discovery realm, and you're right, also other PIs and um, just other people that have encountered electronic evidence along the way, uh, where we're able to, again, help them understand what may be on the devices, but also talk a lot about evidence handling. Um, you know, when you encounter a piece of uh, electronic evidence, what do you do with it? You know, do you start looking at it right away? Um, it has a lot of the same connotations uh, as physical evidence when you would you know, arrive at a, a crime scene or something similar. So you have to take proper measures to handle the evidence carefully um, so you don't have any uh, degradation and or spoilation of the evidence where there would be things that happen on the device that would uh, impact the integrity of the device and make it not potentially stand up in court. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, you want to make sure as you're collecting this evidence and you're gathering things that you're doing it the proper way that, that it is usable later on. I think the worst thing to be able to you know find the smoking gun and not be able <laughs> to talk right. about it, right? The the best the best uh, quote that I usually hear from other people that I like to collaborate with is, "Without a chain of custody, you don't have evidence." Yeah. So you know, make sure that you take proper steps to uh, ensure that the data is going to be able to be accepted, uh, not only in the investigation but also the court of law. Yeah, I think F. Lee Bailey coined the the phrase "without." investigation there can be no litigation right that's right litigation it, it, it great quote <laughs> and it yeah it uh it definitely resounds here 
um, with this. So how did you get into doing all this? Like what, what, what was your background and how did you find yourself sliding more towards um, the forensic side of um, computer? Yeah, I started off in college taking uh, courses to want to do pre-med. Uh, I was always fascinated with radiology and, you know, was a volunteer at the local hospital and really was in, uh, into um, that aspect of things. And then, you know, I, I just I started taking some of the classes and I said, you know, more into it interested in the science, but also the technology part of it. Um, so I wound up switching my major um, and switching schools completely. Uh, took a course at John Jay back in, I think, 1997. So I'm dating myself a little bit. But, oh, uh, we, we, we missed paths. I got out of there like uh, mid-95. I was done. So. Wow. Okay. I, I love the curriculum, but I also wanted to get a little bit of a college uh, experience. I wanted to move out of New York right. and uh, wound up finding the University of New Haven, which uh, I fell in love with the Merritt Parkway during the fall, doing the drive up there. Yeah. Um, so I wound up going to, to school up there and uh, got involved with the forensics you know, courses. But then I think it was around 1998. Uh, where I started getting introduced to the computer forensics uh, courses. And that was fascinating. Uh, I was learning about groups like the National White Collar Crime Center, mm -hmm. where I later went to go work for them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. They're yeah. Association. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got involved with them. Um, and then, you know, that took me to West Virginia, uh, native New Yorker. So I did a couple of years in West Virginia and moved home. Um, that was a great experience and uh, wound up getting into consulting, which is a lot different than law enforcement, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's been a very fruitful career ever since. But, right. you know, this is a, a passion, you know, that I love to, to write for the field and do all sorts of um, knowledge sharing collaboration. So it's kind of taken me in a lot of different ways, um, in good ways, uh, to helping people and, you know, just, uh, doing, you know, things within organizations, uh, that I belong to as well. Yeah. I mean, you've definitely provided some content uh, out there in uh, magazines and, and uh, also books. So I think the last time yeah. we had John, um, you had a book coming out, but I think since then you've re released another book. So tell me yes. what you about that book. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of writing for PI Magazine now for, I think, two and a half, three years. And uh, that's been a really great experience for me. Um, it's allowed me to kind of continue to um, you know, write and have a schedule so that, um, you know, I'm not obligated to write. Um, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And it keeps me... Um, you know, just putting new content out there. I think the the challenge right now is that that takes a lot of time. And I also had a, a kid probably since the last time, a yeah. kid or two since we've One been or two. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, time is limited, but I usually like to find time in the early morning or uh, late evening to just kind of get some thoughts together in terms of an outline yeah. and just uh, go from there. Yeah, I, I did probably about three or four years um, with with, uh, with with PI Magazine, and I always found that that nighttime was was in it for me. 
I can, my day was over. There were no interruptions. I could go in and, and uh, crank something out. So uh, for those on video, Rob actually lifted the book up, but we didn't we didn't give the name. So what's what's the most recent name of the the, the book? Yeah. So this is um, still data forensic, you know, forensic data collections 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a selection of trusted digital forensics content. Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically articles that have appeared not only in PI magazine, but forensic focus, uh, as well as uh, the NALI uh, National Association of Legal Investigators mm-hmm. um, publication as well. And uh, just other things throughout the course of the last couple of years that I put out there to the industry uh, that provides really useful information about modern day data sources and how to approach them, sort of like what I was saying before, uh, but also how to be a trusted advisor to your clients, uh, being able to relay technical um, you know, uh, f- facts or information to people from all different levels and experience. The one that I, I recently heard, which was a great one, was, hey, you're talking about all this stuff uh, online. To me, online means, you know, going outside and looking at my laundry line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's just interesting to hear everybody's level of knowledge and how we need to communicate with people. Because ultimately, if if they don't feel a connection with you, that you're not jiving well with them and in terms of understanding where they're coming from, they may, you know, look to to go somewhere else for services. So I really work hard to think of different analogies, different stories that can help people understand what I'm talking about, but also relay information in a way that they feel comfortable. Uh, moving forward with the the work that they need us to do. Yeah. And a, a lot of times I find like if, if they're getting you involved at some point, especially on the C level of things, like yeah. it, it, something's already happened, right? <laughs> so they're in panic mode. Uh, yeah. Some businesses in, in this country are, are, are reactive, right? They're not proactively looking to protect their data. It's like, oh crap, something happened. Yeah. Now we got to figure out what happened here. Um you know, trademarks are out the door, you know, someone's stealing things and, and, right. and whatever. Now you, you got to put it all back together. So I think taking that approach, that, that education first goes a really long way uh, because yeah. the people you're dealing with, I mean, they're in panic mode, right? They're like, yes. oh man, am I in the chopping block here? We got to get this taken care of, you know, as, as quick as possible. We got to keep it under wraps. You know, th- there's a lot of factors that go into it. So that, that, socially engineered portion of it it's yes. kind of genius man like creating that comfort level yes. of, of saying hey i got your back i got it we'll take care of it and this is it this is how we do things this is why we do things so when they have to explain it it kind of makes sense yeah. so you definitely have to be an educator i think if you're doing this right i that absolutely and i i think it's really interesting when you think of all the places at this job can physically take you, you know, even pre-COVID, we were doing a lot of stuff on site. Now a lot of it's done remotely. And I was going to the Bahamas multiple times a month for multiple different projects. You know, (laughs) Amsterdam. Yeah. I was going to all over Montreal, you know, um, all on client projects. And, you know, the reality is 
these people are not necessarily happy to to see you come to right. their business, right. right? So it's not like I'm packing for a, a leisurely trip. Usually they put they put me in a in a room. They say this is a room that you get to work in. Here's your staging area. There's no windows or anything, um, you know. So you don't even know what time of day it is. And uh, when you're there, you you can't really, you know, talk too much. I was telling somebody the other week that, like, I went on um, on site at a client where they were doing layoffs at the same time, unfortunately, that we were collecting computers. And my team and I were getting followed into the bathroom asking what we were doing on site, you know, what's going on, you know. And right. no matter what, you have to really always remain cool, calm, and collected, speak with confidence, um, but also say that the work that you're doing is on behalf of the company and IT and if, you know, and legal, if you want to speak to anybody, speak to them, I can, you know, let you know any details. Um, But you have to really understand that you're getting, you know, um, asked to be at a location because something has happened. You're exactly right. You're like Mr. Wolf, right? From Pulp Fiction, yeah. just cleaning up the mess. <laughs> yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember going into a uh, a box, a big box store dressed in a suit, yeah. um, not realizing, you know, that this was like, you know, so I, I went into the customer service area to go meet my contact. And they're like, are you from corporate? And I, I said, well, you can say that, you know, in a way I'm here on behalf of corporate, but uh you know, you have to also know your kind of where you're going into. So sometimes you have to really understand where am I being sent? You Google. Um, sometimes we get sent to people's homes, sometimes to businesses, sometimes to, you know, WeWork or uh, multi-company facility and, and things like that. So it takes you everywhere and you have to kind of just go with the flow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good stuff. We're going to jump out and take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk more about the practicality of, of digital forensics and, and you know, folks listening to the program, how they can understand that that's a vertical that they can take advantage of uh, either in learning how to do it themselves or uh, using a company like Sandline to, to do it for you. So uh, everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. The Henry C. Lee Institute of Forensic Science has two upcoming events on October 23rd and October 31st. All listeners can use code HCL underscore CT5 to save 50% on registration. The October 23rd event focuses on investigations of domestic violence. Keynote speakers include Connecticut State Attorney Margaret Kelly, Dr. Galena Portnoy from Yale University, and Dr. Henry C. Lee, one of the world's best-known forensic scientists. This event is available in person or virtually. The event on October 31st is an e-crime symposium webinar that will cover cutting-edge trends in e-crime. You can learn more about both events at henryleeinstitute.com. Specializing in the research of liability for personal injury claims, Pacific Liability Research offers insurance assessments of all applicable liability coverages to help determine what a case is potentially worth. Have a case with no insurance policy? Since 2019, the highly trained staff on their insurance discovery team has located over 100 million plus in previously unknown insurance coverage. They offer a full refund for any inaccurate results and they do not charge for no-hit searches. Additionally, Investigators Toolbox members automatically receive 50% off their first case. Just mention Investigators Toolbox when you fill out your first order. 
More information can be found at PacificLiability.com. Contact them today and discover the immediate impact that Pacific Liability Research can provide. Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIInstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the InvestigatorsToolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. So we are talking about Crosstracks. Crosstracks is a sponsor for uh, Investigators Toolbox and PI Perspectives. We've got Steve Mason here. Steve's been a, uh, a longtime client of Crosstracks. Tell me the benefits of uh, case management. For me, it's basically being able to keep track every single thing that's going on with the case, whether it's notes, documents, sending or receiving new case information, you know, clients can create custom logins, securing the data from a business perspective. It's just, it's really the easiest way to maintain your data, to access your data anywhere. I mean, you can be on vacation and pull up a case note remotely, securely, even just tracking how many cases you've worked for a certain client, how much money you build them. I mean, it's, there's so many tools that I just, I really don't know how you can get by without a a case management system like Crosstracks. Yeah, definitely. And they are SOC 2 certified, which is important when you're working with insurance companies and, and protecting information that's uh, readily available there. If you're looking to take your investigative company to the next level, you got to be organized. And the only way you're going to be organized is using a case management system. And for me, hands down, Crosstracks is the one to go with. So again, they are a sponsor of uh, PI Perspectives and part of Investigators Toolbox. You receive discounts for using their services through, uh, through both those platforms. So check it out today and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. And welcome everyone back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, we are here with the talented Rob Freed from Sandline Global. Rob, welcome back to the program. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, so good having you here. I, I I love chatting with you, man, because you're always on the forefront of what's going on in the in the forensics world. You know, uh, there there are certain there are few people that do what you do that I know. If I'm talking to them, I'm getting like front of the line, and uh, you're definitely one of those guys. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So before we uh, jumped out, I, I teased a little bit about talking about the practicality uh, of the everyday investigator understanding the importance of digital forensics and um, how they can apply it to what they do. So how, how do you see that? How does the regular private investigator get involved with, with doing this, either learning how to do it or um, you know, contacting a company like Sandline? Yeah. So no matter what, um, you're going to encounter electronic evidence at some point during one of your investigations. In fact, I think there's always some component of it. We're always, you know, being monitored now uh, through all the video cameras and all the different devices that people have in their homes. Um, they say that the Internet of Things, the IoT devices, right. there's 20 plus devices in everybody's home. Um you know, so even me, I mean, I, I have cameras all around my house, uh, but also inside the house because I had a nanny uh, working for us a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, we we have technology, it's just ingrained in, in our day-to-day -day, uh, world. Um, so as an investigator, there are different types of things that you can do. 
Uh, obviously, you can pick up one of my books to, to start learning about it. Um, but there are a lot of different training organizations out there um, where you can, you know, get some background information. The software, just in general, to set some expectations um, is is fairly it's an investment right so you could be talking about in the thousands of dollars but once you have this you know you can find out some additional information um it goes beyond the software though because you want to make sure that you have an image of the device or the meat you know the media that you're looking at and then you want to start looking at um you know uh, understanding the user activity so that's going to require some training uh, but there are a number of good organizations that are out there that can actually bundle both their software and also some training um, so that you can get a good understanding. Ultimately, there's so many nuances, Matt, that like I've been doing this for two decades and I still have to, you know, call phone a friend or figure right. out what needs to happen. And the software is changing almost all the time because of the updates. Can you imagine you know, the amount of cell phones that are out there now and these companies that are doing mobile forensics yep. have to keep uh, on top of not only the models, but the operating systems, uh, all the different nuances. Now, a big one that we have to deal with is MDM or mobile device management policies that you get a corporate device and people don't want their data just hanging out on a phone. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to protect it so we deal with that as well having to relax those solutions there's encryption on devices now there's ephemeral messaging like snapchat or signal uh, where you see a message and you know whatever time period passes by it's gone right, right? so you're obviously going to encounter this and you have to understand it it's something that takes a, a while to kind of uh, get in the groove of kind of what you're seeing and, and how to use some of these tools. Uh, but ultimately you can pick up these tools if you're an investigator, if, if you get vetted by one of these companies that sells the software, take some of their training and start getting familiarity. But overall, it, like I said, it goes beyond the software into other forensic uh, concepts and fundamentals that you need to follow. Chain of custody is one of them. Um, being able to explain what the tool is doing in case you get deposed, things like that. So there's a lot involved. Yeah, no, definitely. There's uh, many, many things to consider and, and always, um, you know, understanding that sometimes it's better to, to tap on somebody that's a little more expert uh, to handle that and not try and do things yourself and then have to go and get up on the stand and talk about what you did and, and you don't have the credentials or the background to support um, you know, doing that work. It, it's always in my opinion, and Jim Nanos always says this, right? It's always better to know the guy or, or gal than, than be the guy or gal. Um, yeah. it, it just and, works, works better that way. And it's interesting because you deal with a lot of, for example, IT people, which is, you know, you're asking them to give over data to get the keys to their kingdom. Mm -hmm. They're very, you know, um, sensitive to this and you know it's also they feel sometimes that it's uh you know 
something that they can help with that they understand. But copying over a file from one location to another changes metadata, changes dates and times. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the uh, intricacies of how the the data interacts with the operating system, the computer, um, you know, may not be fully understood. And what that's exactly what you said before, having to explain how a process was performed is not something that everybody's going to be able to go up on the stand and do. I've only met one IT person in all my time doing this that felt wholeheartedly that he was going to be prepared to go on the stand and speak to the process. But I will tell you this, like if we get called in, even for a proprietary system, there's a lot of industries that we get involved in. I'm not an expert in those industries, but they have these systems where it's easy to put data into them. It's hard to export it out. And we have to understand how they're using it what you know what formats the data can come out we have to take screenshots we have to document everything we do so right. that somebody else can replicate our process and we can explain you know it it may be okay that the dates and times on stuff changes as long as we can explain it and we may need to do what's known as an overlay to show this is what happened when we exported the date and time got updated, but in the system, it's still its original date and time. Um, so like I said, there's a lot of nuances with all this. Yeah, I think always being able to explain things in, in layman's terms, you know, understanding that ultimately it's probably a jury that's going to need to understand what you're doing. Um, yeah. And just keeping it to that level that, that they'll get it and you're not talking, you know, Star Trek language and giggling about it afterwards. Yeah. Right? yeah, but it's it's also it's um how do you gain people's trust across the board? Okay, um, to give you information. Right. And the the interesting thing is with COVID and you know, COVID really did a number on on a lot of things in our, our world, but one of the things that I can think of is COVID has caused us now or has created a situation where we're now interacting more with the people that we're collecting from versus where in the past we were, you know, interacting with IT or legal. Now the people are, you know, doing this remotely with us. This is their phone. We're sending them a kit in the mail. They type in the password. They're seeing what's happening. They're getting either you know, comfortable with it or uncomfortable. And we have to basically help them navigate the waters of, you know, why this is happening, what we're taking. We're not interested in your text messages from, you know, your son or your daughter we're talking about, or your wife, we're talking about the case at hand. Or your mistress, Um, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, well, you're you're good. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen it all. Um, I really have. So it's, uh, I just focus in on what I need to do and move on to the next. Um, it, it, you know, it is very interesting of how things have changed and that whole culture shift in, in working from home. And it's definitely opened up doors for the, um, forensic, you know, it professionals, uh, because you've got another layer now, you know, you've got people working, you know, not, at a particular location where there's a sense of security or, or it's more secure allegedly than uh, somebody who's working remotely. Um, and it just adds another layer to the bean dip, right? It's just uh, right. it's, a little bit different, yeah. right? Cloud, um, it, you know, when I, when I was dealing a lot with on-site collections, you know, all the salespeople that were 
on the road selling for their company would normally just never use the network data, network storage. Uh, now, you know, people, everybody was was pretty much at home for a period of time. They were starting to use Dropbox. They were starting to use uh, external hard drives. Companies were sending stuff home with people. People, I had one case where somebody thought that they were being monitored at home because they received an external hard drive and all these icons started shifting on their computer. I, you know, just trying to bring some comfort to to people during these uh, interesting times that we were we were experiencing. But yeah, the whole cultural shift um, now. There's hybrid workforces. So, what are companies doing to protect their data? You know, can you restrict access to the USB ports? Um, can you create an environment where somebody can run external uh, programs or executable programs from the computer? Um, all these things need to be thought about when you're, you know, when you're dealing with uh, people working outside of your infrastructure. My more recent article in PI Magazine was the corporate data, you know, magic act, essentially all the different ways that data can leave an organization to really raise awareness to people that, you know, although we think about technology as a fundamental part of all this, you know, somebody can actually have hard copy and walk away with that too, right? So there's still that um, idea that, you know, no matter what the format is, we have to be thinking about all different ways that people get creative, taking a screenshot of their screen, um, you know, being able to, you know, send text messages and record things now. I mean, those things that are in our pockets are extremely um, powerful, you know, and uh, allow us to do so many more things that we're always on, like I said, always on camera. And we can always be, uh, you know, uh, even even the digital assistants. I always show people that one uh, instance where, you know, you can actually hear the person's voice requesting, you know, our digital assistants to uh, play a song or tell us the news or all that stuff that uh, we think about using those devices for. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, right? The days of monitoring whether or not someone's updating their fantasy football roster are pretty much done. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Nobody cares anymore <laughs> if, you're, if you're sitting your roster for the week. Um, there's just so much more to be worried about. Um, yes. You know, and it's crazy because, it, you know, you are convinced that that thing in your pocket is definitely listening to you when you're having that conversation oh, yeah. with your spouse about couches. The next thing you know, you're getting a whole bunch of uh, couches or or if you're just, you know, crazy thing is if you're like thinking about something and yeah. then all of a sudden you start uh, getting things going on, going, holy crap, man, or, this reading my mind now. Or you say the name of, you know, the search engine, which is also a wake up word. And, you know, the phone's asking what you needed to do. It's pretty amazing. Um, so it, it's crazy. I mean, we have so many things going on with these devices and notifications. You know, it's it's almost like you can look at your phone all day and be entertained by all the different notifications, the email, um, all the social media. Uh, but really, that's what allows us to... Um, kind of appreciate, you know, from an investigative standpoint, all the different types of information that's available. But I will tell you this, it's become a lot harder to connect all the dots these days on everything that people have access to. You walk into my office here and you, you know, you see a computer, but then you, um, 
you go and, and you look at what Wi-Fi networks I have. I may have hard drives in my basement that I'm using for storage. I mean, you really have to think about how to ask people for information so that you can get an idea of how they're using this technology or seek it out yourself um, because you may they may not be transparent with you and you may need to take, you know, this information that you're gathering from kind of, you know, uh, triaging the scene um, to understand what else may be out there that's not before your eyes. Right, right. So what do you think some of the the trends that are coming up here that, that people should really pay attention uh, to um, as far as like forensics and investigations? Yeah, so definitely Internet of Things. I mean, what's happening in our households is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, I always talk about appliances, um, even the exercise equipment. I mean, everything is getting connected to the Internet these days. Um, so that's always something that's interesting. The big thing in the moment right now that I can kind of don't even have to think about that's that's in my everyday is mobile devices. We're talking about mobile devices that, you know, 15 years ago, um, you know, 20 years ago, we were talking about Blackberries and that those were the new items on the block. And, right. you know, now we're talking about, you know, Apples and Androids and hundreds of gigabytes, one terabyte, you know, phones. Um, and now there's even the uh, advanced mobile extractions that are available, which are amazing because for years, law enforcement always owned that, you know, that uh, aspect of uh, mobile forensics where they were able to get more data off of the phone with full file system extractions. Um, a good friend of mine always says we were kept in the parking lot in the private sector, at, you know, tailgating. Right. And now we're invited to the game and watching, you know, the game in the stadium. Uh, we're, we're playing with with the rest of of uh, our colleagues in law enforcement. And really what that what that is, is basically all the different settings that, you know, we now have access to the potential deleted data, being able to do more targeted types of of collections which allows us to really understand um, more about how somebody was interacting with the device. And, you know, a, a big example of it, if you watch some of the, the big, you know, cases um, right now where cell phone evidence was a big part of that, you know, you can see the orientation of the phone, how long an app was being used, um, and, you know, to relate it to our world in the PI space, I remember working an investigation where somebody had gotten hit by a car and they were very interested in what the person was doing right before the accident. Sure. And, you know, another thing where, you know, people are involved in a collision and what were they doing on their phone before the collision? Um, these are all things that using a full file system or the advanced extraction technology that we may be able to tap into some of the additional information that previously we didn't have access to. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's, that's a good way to tie a bow on it and just um, kind of understand it, that, that there are those factors, right? You may think um, the investigation that you're, you're hired to do doesn't have anything forensically that would be important, but as you dig into it and you analyze things, there actually are avenues um, and then, you know, just being able to open up those avenues to say like, okay, you know, there, there is something here. 
um, you know, do we want to go down that, that, uh, um, do we want to go down that road? Right. So I I had a case actually out on Long Island recently, terrible, terrible tragedy case, right. Where there was, uh, it was a high speed, um, accident and there was a question of reckless driving and, um, somebody had been filming right prior to like somebody, a passenger had been filming prior to that happening and, and the phone has been recovered. And it was a question of whether or not, uh, they, they wanted to recover that information because the, the owner of that phone is now deceased and it was relatives. Oh yes. You know, like we have the phone, but we don't know how to get into it. But even with law enforcement saying, Hey, are you looking into that phone? Are you doing anything about this? And they're saying, no, why would we do that? Everybody's dead. I mean, like we're not, we're not, we're not going to be, uh, you know, filing charges against anybody, but on the civil side, when you start talking about liability and there, there's some certain theories on this particular case that are interesting where, where it would be important. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, just kind of understanding that, that sometimes law enforcement's angle is not the angle that the private investigator or the forensic specialist that's been hired, you know, by the uh, law firm or whatever, um, they're on different pages. Right. And, but understanding that's, that's okay, but still being able to have a, access to it and understanding that's out there. Right. There's, there's also the emotional aspect of it right. where people, you know, lose a relative and there's stuff on that phone that, you know, there's family photos. Um, there's financial information probably that that may be on there. Um, I keep a lot of notes on my devices, um, you know, and the, the, unfortunately the relatives don't know the information to get into the phone or the accounts. Um, but you're exactly right. I think that, you know, you have to look at everybody's perspective and what everybody is interested in obtaining uh, mm-hmm. from the device. One of the things that's really interesting, Matt, that I, I think will open up people's eyes to this is like the high speed collision that you were talking about. You know, some people actually have different apps on their phone, which track their activity and even down to the speed that they're traveling. So the you watch it. Yeah. I mean, you, you can you can look at that and say, like, well, how fast was that car going? I have the Life 360 app, mm-hmm. and I'm always complaining that my sister and brother, you know, the, how hard are they braking? How fast are they going? <laughs> um, you know, that now you have uh, ways that you can send out, you know, SOS signals on the right. device. If, I mean, it's really crazy. But if you want to start getting into speed and, and all the other aspects of it, these devices sometimes store that now where they store the information is really important when you hire a forensic investigator they'll be able to tell you whether or not that data is stored on the phone or it's up in the cloud somewhere on those servers and you may have a very short period of time before that data gets deleted because it's constantly being overwritten so these are why you would want to engage a, a digital forensic practitioner absolutely so rob we're going to wind down here thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting about this it's always great um, to talk about, you know, the trends and, and things that are going on. Uh, if folks want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm at Sandline Global. Um, so if you look at the website, sandlineglobal.com, uh, you can reach out to me that way, rfreed at sandlineglobal.com, um, or connect up on LinkedIn. I share a lot of content. I also have a personal website, Forensics by Freed. So forensics by F-R-I-E-D.com. You can check out all the content that I uh, I put out there. Trusted digital forensics content. Awesome. And if you're interested in this uh, line of work, 
uh, the books. You got to go out and get the books. Um, g- give me the title of that book, the latest book one more time. Yeah. So it's uh, Forensic Data Collections 2.0. Mm-hmm. If you search that on Amazon, uh, you'll see a couple of my books out there. The first one's about how to collect data from um, from modern data sources. Uh, so that one's called uh, A Guide to the Defensible and Efficient Way uh, to Collect Data. And then the second one is a um, bunch of articles that I've con- you know consolidated, um, and that's uh, Trusted Digital Forensics Content. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll catch everybody next time on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Excellent. Take care. Thank you. Thanks to Rob for coming on and chatting about the trends of digital forensics. Make sure you check out his latest book and make sure to take advantage of that 50% discount for the upcoming symposiums. Code is in the show notes. We'd like to thank Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring our show and remember to tell them you listen so you'll save $50 when you apply for insurance. Additional thanks to Crosstracks, Pacific Liability Research, BI Institute for Education, and Scope Now. Also, don't forget about InvestigatorsToolbox.com. You can type in version 2.0, 25% to save $50 when you do join. And you should join. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com and you can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back again next week with a new show. So make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.